Good morning, you all. Wonderful to hear from Pastor Krishna. He's in Illinois, and the, uh, it's unheard of that a pastor would start a church and this far along not be, not be on a sunny, but praise God that he took the, uh, just a few days to take a break with his family and spend some time. If you need a worship guide or a seminar, raise your hand real fast. They'll get you one and some pens, and you can take some notes on today's talk. And if you need a Bible, you can raise your hand, too, and I'll get you a Bible this morning also. But anyway, the, uh, I do want you to know what an incredible privilege an honor it is for me to be on staff here at um, Journey Church International, and I work with Pastor Christian. He's a very, very talented young man. As part of my former life, I spent 14 years in Georgia. I'm from Independence, Missouri originally, last 14 years in Georgia. And part of my role there was to help start new churches. And uh, we, Pastor Christian is, is, the, is the package that God put together that is a dream package. And I'm not like lifting him up or worshiping him or whatever, but God has given this particular young man extraordinary gifts and abilities, and an incredible humility and godliness and passion for Jesus Christ. And um, very attractive, and it's one of the things that got, reasons why God led me and my family to be part of the Journey Church. And as I stand before you today, we come to the very last talk in the series of the I Serve series. And you've heard Pastor Christian lay out, if you've been here, the last month about how what God's given us different gifts. We're supposed to use those gifts and to serve them and use them. We've had a month of going into the community here in Lee Summit and, uh, and Kansas City and serving God by different projects. And some of you, a lot of you, have been there. And we have a couple more coming up really soon. And um, after we're going to Joplin next weekend with our, with our first little outside of Lee Summit, Kansas City area mission trip. And so we're excited to let you know how that goes also. And, uh, but anyway, Pastor Christian, from the very word go, when I sit down with him, his favorite place to meet is Panera. And so he said, Dave, give me a Panera. So I met him at Panera and we're talking and talking and I'm filling him out and kind of what his heart is for the church and stuff. And, and I said, I need you to know this. God has made me a missions person. And that missions not meaning just let's go to the farthest, most parts of the world, only to Africa or, or Botswana or, or Russia or somewhere. Let's do that. But mission starts right here. As a matter of fact, it starts with me. I said, Pastor Christian, I am a missions person from the word go. And I feel God's call is upon my life to mobilize people globally for his cause. I said, but there's also an asterisk there. God has, for some reason, given me specifically a heart and a calling for the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Is anyone here of Jewish background, Jewish lineage, you're Jewish in your past? Because, uh, but anyway, God has given me a special heart for that. And that's why the many trips to Israel and stuff. And uh, so and I'm, as I'm relaying this to Pastor Christian, he, he said to me, God has laid upon my heart, I want to start a church in Israel. I'm like, you got my attention, let's talk now. And so anyway, that was our first meeting. And as he began laying out his heart for the Lord and his call to start a church in this specific area, and I began to feel God working in my heart. And my wife and I knew, we knew we were supposed to work here, but we, we need to go through the the, the hoops, as it were, and get to know Pastor Christian very well. And when God's calling was very clear, we joined the team here. And we're so excited to be part of it and to reach uh, South Lee Summit, North Cass County, and the whole Kansas City area and uh, for Jesus Christ and to build his kingdom here and to see him exalted and lifted up. Part of my heart for, for the Jewish nation takes me there um, almost every year. Three, three years ago, I was in Israel in a northern city called Haifa. If you know much about that area, maybe you've heard of Haifa. And there are three big cities in Israel. Number one is Jerusalem. Everyone knows Jerusalem. And then there's, there's the, the biggest city is Tel Aviv. And Tel Aviv is a coastal city. And then the north 
on, basically built around Mount Carmel, which is where Elijah had a showdown with the prophets of Baal, is Haifa. And there's the saying in Israel says, you go to Jerusalem to pray, you go to Tel Aviv to play, is on the beach, and you go to Haifa to stay. And it's beautiful up there, and it's spectacular, and you're on that mountainside, and it's wonderful. God has given to us, to, to me, and hopefully I can introduce uh, to this church, uh, a, a church family that's there, and except in that part of the world, they call them a congregation, and it's called Beit Eliyahu. Beit Eliyahu means the house of Elijah. It is literally about 100 yards from the base of Mount Carmel, where Elijah had this showdown with the prophets of Baal, and God showed up and did some amazing things. If you don't know that story, it's in 1 Kings, I believe, 17, 18, and it's an amazing story. But Beit Eliyahu, the pastor's name is Shmuel Iwida, and Shmuel is Samuel, that's Hebrew for, for Samuel, has become just a dear brother to, my, to myself. And, uh, but three years ago, I was, I was there on Sunday morning, and they said, and they said Brother Dave, would you, would, you, would you speak this morning? I said, sure. And usually I, I don't speak. I, I said, I'm not here to get, to get the glory. This is for you, and please, Pastor, you preach. But this morning, he was very insistent. And uh, it was a room that would hold about 125 people. There were about 200 people crammed tight, tight, tight into there. And something you must also know, next door to this church is a, um, a congregation, is a, is a retirement home. And it's all for Messianic believers, Jewish people that have embraced Jesus as their Messiah. And so there's four floors here. And when we go, one of my dear friends is a pharmacist, and he also owns a, uh, a retirement home. This has become so dear to his heart. And we always go there and spend time with these elderly people. Matter of fact, there's a dear friend I have there. His name is Heinz. Heinz is 96. He may, I think he actually turned 97 this summer. For those of you who know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was the great um, pastor and theologian in Germany at the time of World War II and Hitler. Hitler had personally given to Bonhoeffer, you have 50 people you can get out of Germany before I put the clamps down. And, and he, he used all 50 of them on Jewish people. Number 49 was Heinz. And Heinz, an 18-year-old, was able to sneak him out, and they got him to England, and he, and he went to Finland and lived the rest of the war there, where he became a believer in Jesus Christ. And Heinz is a dear, dear friend. So this particular Sunday morning, we're in this service, and uh, my, my friends had helped bring over about 20 of the, uh, the dear old saints, and they're sitting on the back, back, back row. And, and I was about 15 minutes into my talk, and all of a sudden, the back door burst open, and in walked an Arab, an Arab-looking gentleman, and he had on the headdress, okay? Instantly, terror swept through this crowd. This is in a, in a region of the world where suicide bombers happen frequently. Uh, three young children from this, from this Pacific congregation since 2000 have lost their lives to bombings in the bus. But there's a dear family who's part of that congregation that's from Harrisonville, right here. And they have five children. The oldest daughter, when she was 17, was killed on a bus bombing. That family's become so dear to, to, to me. And when I'm there, we spend lots of time with them. And so the, and the, the pastor's oldest daughter was the best friend to this young lady. The back door opens. This, this man comes bursting in. And he, he's company with a, with a guy that looked like a, he could be from western Kansas. Had on cowboy boots. And he looked like he's about uh, upper, fi- upper 50s and had a big old mustache. And all that. And he got a cowboy and an Arab. Well, it didn't make sense to me. I immediately, I recognized this Arabic gentleman to be a Druze. And in that particular part of the world, there are Jewish people, there are Muslims, Palestinians, and there's Druze. And Druze is a specific, they, we would say it's a merge between Christianity and Islam, and they put together, and uh, their great patriarch is Jethro, Moses' father-in-law. And it's a very secretive religion, but they, wherever, whatever country they live in, they are loyal to that government. If they're in Syria, they're loyal Syrians. If they're in Lebanon, loyal Lebanese, and in Israel, 
They're loyal Israelis. They even fight in the Israeli army. Immediately, I recognize this man as, as a Druze, so I'm, my, my anxiety is just gone. I'm not concerned about bombing. But a dear, a dear lady, her name is Dee. She's 89 years of age. She's sitting on the back row, and I, I hear her whisper, He's got a bomb! And the poor, the poor girl jumped up and ran out, who's the best friend of the girl who got killed in the bus. And he marches straight down front, and it turned out later on he's a Druze sheikh. And there are, there are three sheikhs in Israel who are Druze, which he's the chief of his specific tribe. And he feels like he's kind of their king, and he acts like he was their king, and walks down front and just puts his hand out and shakes my hand and shook, shook Pastor Shmuel's hand. And, and so looked on the front row, and there was one chair, and he asked them, like, scoot. <laughs> they scoot over, and these two gentlemen sit down, and I began preaching again and finished my whole talk. But the, the fear that swept through that crowd when that man uh, walked in was, uh, surprised me. Now, I, I do totally understand it, but it was amazing. And when that, that dear lady D said, he's got a bomb. Every one of the people, I have five people in my group, they were terrified and thought they were about to, you know, to meet their maker. You know, some of them said, my life was flashing before my eyes. And other people, I thought, should I just dump, jump out of the chairs or what? And so, anyway... When you're serving God and you're, you're beyond your comfort zone, anything can happen. And you never know what it's going to be, whether it's you're helping in a project in Lee Summit or you're helping in a project in a city in Joplin or around the country or around the world. When we get outside of our comfort zone, anything can happen, and we are in the hands of Jesus. And so this morning, as I, as I lay up for you what is going to be, as we go, going forward, the mission strategy for the Journey Church International, it's my prayer that you would be, be really Jumping in and saying, how in the world can I be part of this? And, the, and if you have your, your worship guide, your seminar, the very first key, uh, the line that's there says, our key is this. The first step is this, to, for us to live the life. We want you to, to live the, the life. What, what does that mean? It simply means that you and Jesus Christ have a very real personal relationship. There was a brilliant Chinese um, believer, pastor, years and years ago, a generation ago, his name is Watchman Nee, N-E-E. Not his real name, but when he became a believer in Jesus, he changed it to that. And, he, and his big thing was this. If you want to start a revival or you want to see God do something amazing, something incredible, just draw a circle and stand in the middle of it and pray that God would start that in that spot. And that is our prayer, that you and Jesus Christ would have such a deep personal connection that it would really just transform your personal world. And we see, uh, for us to live the life, we want to, uh, part of the Great Commission, uh, put some verses, we'll come and go, the Great, the great Command is this. And, uh, and we move Matthew 22, 36 through 40. And, uh, one of the, the teachers of the law, a Pharisee, trying to trick Jesus, said, Teacher, or he would have said, Rabbi, what is the greatest commandment in all the law, the Old Testament? And Jesus replied, verse 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Wait a minute, verse 39. And the second is like to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus was saying, if you want to capitalize the entire word of God in the Old Testament format, it's right there. Love God, love others. So we want to encourage you to embrace the great command as never before in your life. For some of you, it may seem very, very foreign, very strange, very odd. How can I love this dude I can't really see or whatever? Let me just tell you this. The more you let Jesus Christ transform your personal life, you will understand it more and more and more. The first place to start is every single day, dive deep into his word. If you don't know where to start at, start in the book of John. 
Start reading every single day one or two chapters from the Bible. And as you're doing this more and more, you're going to be learning it. And God will be growing you spiritually. And you'll be knowing him more and more and more. So the first step is this, to, for you to live the life. And when, it, and when Jesus was quoting that, he was actually, to, 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 the, to the rabbi, to, to, I'm sorry, to the Pharisee, he was quoting, which is the most famous of all to the Jewish people, the most famous Jewish passage. And, and it's in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. It's called the Shema. And Shema is, is the word hear, to hear. And, and the, the verse goes this, it's verse 4 uh, and, and Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your soul, with your strength. And it goes on through verse 9. It talks about passing it on to our kids and thinking about it constantly. So Jesus was actually quoting the Shema. And um, then Hebrew would be Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. And so if you ever go to a Jewish congregation or a synagogue, you will hear them sometime. That while you're there, pray the Shema. So that, that is it. And so, so as you see Jesus Christ, and you're falling more and more in love with him, it, what's, what's going to happen is this. He's going to begin transforming your life. And your next blank is there. Let the Lord transform your life. Let him transform your life. And then let the Lord use you to transform the world. As you become a different person, you're, it's going to be naturally oozing out of you. So let Jesus, let the Lord transform your life and then let the Lord use you to transform the world. Whatever you're into, big time is what you talk about. This is Kansas City, and uh, I praise God for the Chiefs nation that's here. You can't be around somebody without talking about the Chiefs, and I wish we had more talk about this particular season. And uh, so we'll see how that goes. Or if you're around a KU fan or a Missouri fan, they're going to they're gonna ooze what they're into. Um, uh, Caleb... Copta, who, who works with our students, and they meet over here. The guy is majorly into Florida football, okay? So if you're around, you can't be around Caleb without hearing about Florida football. Whatever you are into, it comes out in your natural conversation. The more we're into Jesus Christ and the more he is into us, it will just naturally come out. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to take your coffee table-sized Bible to work with you every day and lay it down at break time and, and, and you open it up and start, you know, preaching in the, in the king's good English, you know, to, to your coworkers or, or Bible bang them, boom, hardcore. But as you begin living the life, you're going to naturally kind of be a little bit different. Not different weird. They're just going to see some things different about you. First Peter talks about be prepared to give an answer for anyone that says, what's the reason for the hope that you have in your life? So eventually someone may say, why, why are you so different? Well, you know, what are you going to say? I got this church thing I go to and I'm into it. I got a Bible study. Or I got this men's group. Man, I'm just hardcore into Jesus, and Jesus is into me. And uh, but anyway, think about it. I want to challenge you. Let the Lord transform your life, and then use you to transform the world. Some of us may never get to go beyond the shores of this country. That may never ever happen. It may not happen. I have a dear friend in Georgia whose grandma felt like she was called to be a missionary. Married a guy that never wanted to do it, and when he he was dead, and she was 85 going on her first mission trip, and then she went to Honduras. Like, what an exciting thing. Some of us may never go beyond the shores of this country or outside of this great metropolitan area to serve God, these capacities. That's fine. But wherever you are at, shine extremely for Jesus Christ, and he will do the work. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is, um, is John 10.10. 10. It said, uh, John 12.32, it says, When I am lifted up, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. So in our life, if we're living it for Jesus and we're lifting him up, he will do the work and he will shine brilliantly. And we know that, uh, talking about our transforming our lives, 
John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, I'm come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus wants to give us full, abundant, incredible life and put it together. And 1 Corinthians 7.35, I was this week, just I believe it was Monday, I was reading my personal time along with, with, with the Lord. And I read this verse and it said, live in a right way and undivided devotion to the Lord. It really struck me. I've been kind of chewing on that all week long. So I want to just pass it on to you today. It's not just... Not just talking or knowing the Bible, but really living it out and letting it make a difference in our world. Sometimes it's easy for us to make church or Jesus just one piece of the puzzle of our life, and it's maybe 25% or 1%, whatever. And that's okay, but, but it doesn't affect the rest of our life. If I should draw a pie graph for, for us to see it all. But Jesus shouldn't be a piece of our life. It should be like the center of the hub of our will. The whole life revolves around it. When you get to that place... It will transform you all your life. I, I really believe with all my heart, every piece of our life will be so much better if we live according to God's principles and his word. Making him the center of our life is where we need to be. Because uh, I think if we all talked about it, we'd probably all say Jesus is the most important thing in our world. But if we really live like it, what would that look like? So let Jesus transform your life and then use you to transform the world. The next blank we see is this, our command. Do something about it. Do something about it. If you're really walking with God, if he's transformed your life, now do something about it. Let him use you. And so, now, how in the world will you do that? God has given each one of us gifts. If you're here and, you, and uh, you're your first time or you're kind of new, new to, this, to this church, and you walk in, you see some guys in the parking lot, they're using gifts that God's given them there. You come up the, the, the big, long sidewalk that's 278 miles long, it seems like. There are people shaking their hands and greeting you. And God has given them gifts that they're using there. So maybe you've given your children over to the, to the nursery workers. There, there are people there that are using the gifts that God's given them there. There are people that show up every Sunday morning at 630 here, and they set everything up, and they're using the gifts that God has given them there. God has given to each one of us different gifts. I want to challenge you to use that for him. And what would that be? And I want to, I want to challenge you this. But, but, but before the first of the year, if you're not yet involved in serving some capacity, how could I serve? How could I be involved? From the children in, in the back room, had Casey Wolf last week, 100 children. That was amazing to see that. Um, to the students, to whatever it might be. I want to challenge you. Think and pray. God, how could I use some of the gifts that you've given me to serve you here? Because as you begin letting Jesus transform your life, just start getting in action. Start, start using what he's been given to you. Because God's given to each one of his gifts. Now it's time to put them in motion. And when we talk about missions, the, the, the next thing in that is, first of all, the great command. Love God with everything we've got. And ne- next thing is the great commission. The great commission can be found in Matthew 28:19 and uh, Mark 16:15. Well, that's a fancy word for saying this. Jesus' last words to his disciples before he literally ascended to heaven on top of Mount Olive, he told them these words. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And also Mark 15, 16, 15, and he said to them, a little more succinctly, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. So we're commanded. Go and preach it to every single person. Go and do it. Pretty big claim. So what happens? We're going to send this section. You guys are going to the continent of Africa. Divide up among yourselves. You guys are going to Europe. Divide up among yourselves. Those of you who like cold weather, go to Siberia. Those of you who don't, go southern. Okay, and you guys are going to, the, to, to Asia. That's a pretty big 
assignment to go into all the world. So how do we break it up? The beautiful part is this. Jesus gave to us also Acts 1.8. And this is called the, one, the Acts 1.8 strategy. Our strategy, as you see it next there, is the 1.8 strategy. And it's this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses. And here's how we break it down. Where do we go and how we do it? You'll be my witnesses in, first of all, Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria and, and, and into the ends of the earth. John, we have that, that map. That map. Okay, this is the map of Israel, okay, at the time of Christ. I'm not quite tall enough to point, but I'll use, I'll use my pointer here, right? <laughs> Jerusalem is right here. Okay, this is where Jesus uh, was, was crucified, was buried, and came back to life again. And uh, on the third day, he, he came back to life from the tomb that's there. Right across the street is the Mount of Olives where he ascended, okay? Um, Jerusalem will be that specific city. That would be like, start right where you're at. Then Judea. You see this word here, Judea? Judea uh, Israel is kind of broken down into some regions. We might say a state. Okay, so, so, so it's from, when you go to Jerusalem, then kind of go to this greater area of Judea. If you go to Israel today, it's still broken down into Judea and Samaria. And Samaria is the northern part of Israel. It's pretty much from this half of Israel all the way to the top, okay? Thank you for the great pointer there. The, um, so I want to give you a visual so you can see Jesus was actually telling them what to do. First of all, go to Jerusalem. This is where we started. Then kind of spread out to Judea. And then as you go into Judea, go to Samaria. Go to the rest of Israel, the rest of this country. And then after that, go to the farthest corners of the world. And so if you've ever studied much of church history, there are different, quote-unquote, legends about different apostles that went to different spots. We know from the writings of Paul that he went all over Asia Minor, which would be Turkey, Syria, and that part of the world, and even eventually to Rome. We know, we know where Paul went, okay? And we know some other people. We, uh, there are some that, there's some thought that Paul went eventually to, to, to what would have been Gaul, which is modern-day France, that specific area. Uh, if, you are, if you know anyone, anyone from the country of India, from India, Thomas. And it's pretty well believed that Thomas did go there and ended his life in that part of the world sharing Jesus Christ. And so we don't know what happened, where they all went to. But I really assume that, that different apostles were kind of sent to different parts of the world, and they're not all recorded. But so Jesus said, start where you are at. And from there... Let it spread and let it go like wildfire. And it did. That is our plan and our strategy here. We want to see God do some amazing things right here in Lee Summit, North Cass County, the greater Kansas City area. And then it just keeps going spreading globally. And God has put it upon my heart and Pastor Christian's heart in a major, major ways to serve God. From, from the very first Sunday, if you've been here that long, you know that Pastor Christian has been putting up on the board our causes from India to, to the Sudan and we've, we've given money towards the, uh, the, or, the orphan girls in India. And we've given money towards in Sudan to buy 40 pastors' bicycles, which majorly, exponentially helps their, their ministry there. Um, uh, m- money towards um, the cold water project last week. The, the children that live right in this in Lee Summit area, okay? And the causes that we have specifically, Pastor Christian has already wanted to die down deep, and he said, I want to make it known to the world that this is who we are. We serve Jesus Christ beyond our borders. He's been doing a great job. So our strategy is to take it to all these different places. So in Jerusalem, that's right here, and we've been doing the, uh, the I Serve campaign the last uh, several weeks, and some of you have been part of the I Serve, and we've done things from the Helping Hands in Greenwood. We've gone there and helped 
them move and relocate. It's a, and it's an organization that helps kind of children with uh, autistic and other issues. And they use horses for treatment and therapy. We were able to serve them last week. It was awesome. There's an organization in Lee Summit called Prodeo. And Prodeo helps really, as much as Lee Summit would have street kids, kind of, kind of, kind of the down and outer middle school and high school students. And we helped them last week with their clothing closet. And um, we've got some other projects for them we need to do. The next uh, Saturday, we have a project with cold water people. And cold water just helps the needy families of this whole area. And we're going to help them with their food and uh, clothing distribution. And if you want to sign up for that stuff, you can today. Table right over there after church, and we'll get you uh, lined up with that. So we, we have already done many, many things here. We're even going to do some, some stuff um, for the children in this school that probably won't get Christmas presents. And next week we'll have, if you want to adopt a child, to buy some Christmas presents for the kids in this specific school. And we'll have that rolling out also. And also one of the things we want to do for the kids in the school, there are, there are about 27 of them that are on the backpack program, which means every Friday, from Friday to Monday morning, these kids probably are not going to have food. They get breakfast and lunch here at school, so they know they're getting lunch. Then when they go home on the weekend, mom and dad are gone, or they're, they're partying, they're working day and night. And so these kids are left to fend for themselves. And so we're going to really engage that program in helping send home things. And what, you know what they need more than anything? They need peanut butter. The, the, the school counselor, they need peanut butter, and they need, um, we need big cans of spaghetti, not in glass jars, and, and pasta. We sneak it in their backpack, and they take it home, and, and, and they can feed themselves the weekend. So we want to encourage uh, us to reach the kids that God's given to us right here. So that is our Jerusalem. That's our Jerusalem. Uh, I remember when my father, when I was growing up, my father would take me around to do different things. One, one time, uh, I think a, a window of, of, a, of a dear widow lady at our church had got broken out. It was like freezing outside. My dad and I went over there and, and fixed it up. I want to encourage you, dads, take your, your children, moms and dads, take your children to serve and to get them out to see what it's like to really use what we have. We're so fortunate. And to help those who are in need. There's projects like that all over the place. Um, the next step is Judea. So Jerusalem is right here, specifically in the area where people will probably come to our church from, okay? And we're going to broaden up to, to Judea. And you see in, in the, on the map it was the greater area. That would have been like a state to them. For us, that would have been like a four or five county area land-wise. And this, for our Judea, is Kansas City and the four-state area. Kansas City and the four-state area is our Judea. Um, when I, I remember when, as, a, as a child, my dad would go every week to the City Union Mission and help serve there. And, he, and he, sometimes he would preach, sometimes he would just serve food. And um, one time he told me, he says, I was in the middle of preaching, and this guy stood in the background and said, Preach, preach, preach. That's all you ever do. I said, What did you do? He says, Nothing. He said, Down. And I went on. And, but anyway, so, so we can take our families, and some of you have already done that with Pastor Ryan. And uh, is it the Hope House? What's it called? Hope Faith and uh, City of Mission in Kansas City. And we have a few more of those projects coming up in December if you want to be part of that, okay? But as a kid, I remember my dad being involved with that stuff. And also Joplin. Next weekend, we're taking a crew of about 15 people from here, from y'all, and we're going to Joplin. We're going to spend the night Friday night on the floor of a church, and the Saturday we're going to get up and just serve them whatever need they have, painting, cleaning, whatever. If you're part of the Joplin team, by the way, if you could meet me right down in front just for about two minutes after the service, it would be great, and we'll just discuss some of the details. But from this body, we're going to jump on this devastated city, and we're going to serve them. That's part of our Judea. And then beyond that is Samaria. And Pastor Christian and I have talked, and we're going to call that America's largest cities. And what are some of the most unreached cities in the United States? 
what are some of the most strategic cities in the United States? And we can list different ones, but we're going to start in New York City. And, um, and we're, we're, going to be, we're going to probably going to help, and we need to flesh out all the details of this. But there's a, um, I, have, I have for many years have had a partnership with, with a Filipino church in Queens, New York, okay? And they are helping start a church to Russian people. In, in New York, and I got a little bit of Russian background. Two summers I lived in Russia, and I have a heart for Russian people, and so I'm so excited for that. So we're hoping maybe maybe this summer we'll take a team from here, go to New York City, and we'll help them in some capacity. Wouldn't that be exciting? And there's also uh, there's a young man from this city that's uh, been a personal friend of mine for many many years. He's going to start a church in New York City targeting um, people from Bangladesh. There are 60,000 Bangladeshi people in New York City. He's going the guys led him to start a church there. So we'll see that fleshes out. So our Jerusalem, then to our Judea, and Samaria, and then from there, the uttermost parts of the world. And that's ever populated continent and Israel. And uh, we, remember we talked about our, our causes in India and Sudan. And, and, and um, we're going to move into Israel and do some stuff there, hopefully. And um, some of the, y'all may know Rebecca that helps in the children's program. And she got his, her for many, many years, a ministry in Romania. And we're praying about our involvement with, with her as well. So... That is the 1-8 strategy. I want to lay that out for, out for you right there. Now, Pastor Christian asked if I would to share with you briefly, and, uh, and I want to make sure I, I stay brief, some of the different opportunities and experiences that I've been able to have by doing ministry in different places around the world. And this is not a time to brag on me. God forbid. This is a time to lift up Jesus and, and see the glory that, 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 that he has done around the world. We talk about Russia. Uh, uh, I'll show some pictures. This is my dear uh, friend. His name is Pavel. His wife, Luda. And he's been the pastor. Of the, uh, he started a church when he's 19 years old, okay, in the northwest part of, of Russia in a city called Zelenograd. And uh, it's a fantastic church. It's called the House of Prayer. I said, where did you get that name? He says, in the Bible, it says, and my house shall be called the House of Prayer. So that's where the name comes from. And Pablo is the dearest friend in the world. And God has done amazing things in his ministry there. One thing's for sure, you don't want to be in Russia in the wintertime. I had a group of about 10 of us there one time in October, and it was freezing. And I was staying in an apartment that had zero heat, no, cold, no hot water. And I, I remember sleeping inside two sleeping bags with all my clothes on, freezing to death, okay? I don't think I want to be there in January. But God has uh, had given me just a dear heart for Pastor Pavel, and he's doing a fantastic job. He comes to the States about once a year, and if he passes through here next year, I'm going to try to grab him and have him come talk with us. So that's Russia. Uh, Cuba, uh, God put up on my heart. A, a, a real burden for Cuba, and God has, has allowed me to do, take teams to, to Cuba for many, many years. This gentleman is Pastor Jorge, and his wife um, Mag, uh, Magda. Uh, these are twins, Adam and Abraham. They are the, they are the same age as my oldest son, their, their team. And uh, they, this family is so dear to me. This is Havana in the background. This little boy you see here is Aaron. He's now he's now five years of age. My wife and his his wife were pregnant at the same time with with our five year olds. And uh, I was with him, and he had just found out absolutely terrified. He was beyond terrified that he wasn't going to be able to feed his family. The median, the median income from Cuba is about $8 a month. And if I take you to the grocery store, the prices are the same as our prices. I would see little children wearing diapers around. They'd be sagging down about to their knees and change the kid's diaper. And I went to the stores and saw they're the same price as they are here. Diapers are not cheap, about $20 for a, for a bag of diapers. That's, you know, two and a half months of salary. And it breaks your heart to see. He was terrified. He said, Dave, I can't, can't hardly feed my family now. How could I possibly feed one more family? In the church I was with in, in Atlanta, we, we, we covertly paid his salary every, every year. And we, we give him a one, one-time thing that would kind of cover for the whole year. 
And uh, it was a great blessing for us to be able to be involved with that. And so many cool, amazing, fun things we were able to see there. And in Cuba, they love baseball. So every time I would go, I would sneak baseball bats or gloves into my, into my, my luggage, and I'd give it to his sons. And, and they would be instantly the most popular kids in the neighborhood. And so uh, it's, it's kind of exciting and cool to see God, what God's doing there. This is in a church just outside of Havana. Now, Pastor Jorge introduced me to a, one of his friends named Rafael. Rafael, my kind of guy, crazy. This is Pastor Raphael on the right. Uh, the building you see behind us is a house. There was, there was a little vacant lot, and that house is not even as wide as the stage. And it's actually probably about as long and as wide as the stage, real small. And it's a church disguised as a house. And this is about 200 yards from Ernest Hemingway's uh, mansion that's still a museum in, in Cuba. And the thing was, he said, listen, the local authorities have liked what I've done for the drug addicts. There's drug addicts and a lot of alcoholism in Cuba. They're trying to escape from everything because the poverty is so severe. He said, and because of that, they're kind of turning a blind eye as we build this place. So we raised the money, helped finance it. And, and Pastor Raphael said, one thing, go and ask me where we get the supplies. Because what was happening, he'd t- tell some neighborhood thugs, hey, I need some concrete. Next day, concrete would show up. Where'd you get it? Don't ask him. They were still here from government sites. Like, oh, Raphael, can God bless us? He said, yes, God can bless us. And so uh, I, I just trusted him. Now, um, Raphael, uh, when he became a believer, one of my heroes in the faith, he became a believer in the early 80s. His wife divorced him. So you're giving your, wife what, your life away. I want nothing to do with you. Her and her two sons left, and he, he has never seen them since. They moved to a different place in the island, broken his heart. I saw him this summer. He was coming to America, and he's moving to Mexico to start a church in the Acapulco area. He has his his new wife. He he just married a lady this this year from Cuba who her kids had moved to Acapulco to start a church there. He said, I'm going to help them. This guy speaks no English at all. And uh, a few friends of mine on Facebook, go to my Facebook page. He just wrote me a big fatty thing all in Spanish, copied it, went to some translator. Oh, that's what he said. I typed something, translated it, and put it back on there. So maybe, maybe it really came through. So if you're a Spanish speaker, you can see it, my bad Spanish on there, right? And so, so Pastor Raphael is one of my dear heroes in the faith. We move on to Africa. And uh, God had given us a call to, to go to the nation of Burkina Faso, Africa. It's Western Africa. It's the third poorest country in the world. And there's a, there's a tribe of people there called the Pugali people. And the Pugali, P-U-J-L, however you spell it, Pugali, unreached people group. There's no known church or representation of Jesus Christ in their entire, I believe there's two million people in that people group, okay? Nothing. And so we began trying to reach them. And while I was there, I met these two characters. These are Torag warriors. Torag warriors are ferocious, and they're desert dwellers. And they come to the city in certain times of the year and to buy supplies, and if they happen to see the random tourists, they'll try to take pictures and sell you knives and stuff, and, and that's these two guys. So um, for the Pugali people, we started drilling wells, about $5,000 a pop. And if we drill a well in the village, the chief will let us send a pastor in for $20 a month. We're paying for this pastor's salary. Typically young men, 35 and down, that are single, and they just go in and they, they live uh, you know, very, very uh, difficult lives to reach people for Jesus Christ. So the Pugali people are off the unreached people list now, which was a fantastic. Uh, next, next picture, there's a, this is the chief. All right? This is the chief of one of the Pugali villages. We didn't realize the chief would be there, so we come up on, here's the chief. Gathered to the tree. I wish you could see the, 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 him closer. His hat, it's a, it's a, it's a beanie cap, and it's, it's, it's pink, and it says Dora. Get Dora on it. If he knew what that hat really meant in the States, he would never wear it, okay? The chief of his people, okay? And um, 
We weren't expecting to see a chief. And so the missionary guy was, hey, does anybody have something we can give him? Not money, but something else. So I went, I've got two soccer balls I bought. Perfect. So we took the soccer ball and we gave it to him. And there is the soccer ball before him. Door of the Explorer. The chief of the Pugali tribe in this area. And it was a great thing because it, uh, uh, of all things, that soccer ball, there's about 25 kids around us. Um, they all came around to be his protector. They didn't know what we were going to do. They all had slingshots and sticks to die. So if it's going down, they're going to be part of it, okay? They're going to protect their chief. And um, he, would get, he gave them the soccer ball. They were, they were happy. So it was fantastic. Um, the, next, the next slide is a picture. This is the inside of the pastor's house that was in this village. It's simply a, a thatch and, and wraps around. It's no, no longer than six feet long. There's literally nothing inside of it. When I saw this, I, I began to cry. And I was kind of up to myself. And I took this picture and I started weeping. God, this guy is giving up so much. He's giving up everything. To come here and reach these people, he literally sleeps only in the floor. What an amazing warrior for Jesus Christ that guy was. And you can't be in Africa without playing a little bit. But the next slide is, you don't, and don't do this at home. It's not smart. So anyway, they took us to pet the, the alligators. Now they're well fed. They fed them at least five live chickens while we were there, which is, you don't want to see that happen. It's kind of breaks my heart. PETA would not be um, approved of that one. But so... Africa is a wonderful place where God's doing some wonderful things. A place that God has also put on my heart and has given some amazing, amazing things for Jesus Christ are happening there now under the radar is Egypt. And um, there's a picture of the pyramids there. And I, I have a, a picture of myself with some children um, that I could not find anywhere. So but, uh, this is at least a picture of, of Egypt. And uh, there's a church there that I was partners with for a while. It's in Giza, about 10 miles from, from the pyramids. And uh, the, the church had been firebombed uh, about two years before I went there. And they just, the month before we arrived, finally got it renovated and opened back up. And the, the pastor, Pastor Wasid, and I just been the dearest friends. And he's on Facebook, and, and he doesn't have much English, so when he sends me something, I always chuckle. I don't know what he's saying. But it's a wonderful partnership. Pray for our dear brothers and sisters in Egypt. You've heard about the, the Arab Revolution that's sweeping that part of the world. Things are really, really, really severe for them. Um, as awful as it seems, it's not the best thing because what's happening is the extre- Islamist extremists are coming to power slowly and surely. And the most recent uh, battle you're seeing, the media is not presenting that part. They, they said the students are, are doing this, but what's happening, the, 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 the brothers of, of Islam are stirring them up, up to do this, and they wanted to come in and to be an extreme Muslim state. And um, that's probably not the best thing in the world for, for that region. Um, but one of the things we did was there... Some of you have probably been part of the Operation um, Christmas shoebox thing before. The, the, the church, the, one of the churches that's in that city, Kasser al Deborah, they have a warehouse full of them. And they, they would let us take as many shoeboxes as we could, and we'd go and we'd deliver them. And we took them to an orphanage and we'd give them out. We went to um, a, a people, uh, they, they call them Christians, and I think it's because there's not Muslims. That's why they call them Christians. And they literally lived in the landfills. And we went there to, to the children there and gave these children boxes. And these were the pictures I wanted to give to you because the children were priceless. And they had these boxes, and you open it up, and there's a Barbie in there or something, and a bottle of water and some toys and some toothbrushes. This was in uh, August we were there, okay? So most of the Operation uh, Christmas shoebox things don't happen in, around the world. But it was so awesome for us to be able to hand those shoeboxes out. And it was amazing. But pray for them right now. It's a very dangerous situation. Moving on to the persecuted church. In Hebrews 13, 3, it says, Remember those of us who are in change, as though you were there with them. The persecuted church throughout the world. This is me in 1996. I have hidden upon me, hidden, 250 Bibles. None of them are bigger than this Bible here. 
and they're in my backpack, they're in my fanny pack, they're inside the lining of this. I have something under my shirt. In fact, Jason Cummings, who's our children's pastor, was a, a high school student on this trip with me at this time. And we were sneaking them across the border into China and giving them. And we were told that for every single Bible that we snuck across the border, 300 separate people would read it. They usually tear out whole books of the Bible and pass them around. One incredible honor that was for me to be able to do that. There's the Romanian, I mean, I'm sorry, an Iranian pastor you may have heard about recently. His name is Yosef Nakardia. Pray for this man. He's in prison, and he probably will be murdered in prison in, in Iran because he's a pastor. It happens every day around the world. We don't hear about it in the media. But the persecuted church around the world, we need to pray for them. And the last, the last place I want to share with you is Israel and um, because it has such a dear place in my heart. And we hope that we will, uh, a year from now, be able to take a trip to Israel with this church uh, maybe the, the spring of 2013. So we'll see how that goes. This is me by the, by the Western Wall. And I've, I've shared with you about the, the church that's there. And we also go to orphanages that are there. There was an orphanage there this last year with the big wildfire. It destroyed 40% of the orphanage. And I was there in May and went and took pictures and, and was with his children and the leaders of it and just showing them some love and some, some compassion. And um, they're resilient people and they're re- re- rebounding. So if we go, we'll take you to the orphanage, okay? Um, um, this, this last trip I was there for one week I studied I was given a scholarship to study at the Holocaust Museum they wanted to train some American pastors to go share the story about the Holocaust because the Jewish people blamed the Holocaust upon Christians because Hitler quoted Martin Luther um, his, some of his writings and stuff so it's very tragic so, that, so it's kind of way, their way of reaching out to us so while I was there I got to, to this, is, um, this is Pastor Shmuel okay, from the church that's there if you go to the next picture this is myself at Oscar Schindler's grave you cannot see it in the pictures right below us. This man, Nahum, this is Raquel, Rachel, Rachel and Nahum, they were on Schindler's list. They were children that Schindler saved their life. This man, this woman, he, I believe he's 87 now, okay? And um, Schindler actually put them together and said, you two should get married. He said, so we did. And so when they survived the war and he, he moved there and she, she went back home to Poland and he brought her to Israel and they were married on a kibbutz, which is a, a communal farm. They're wonderful people. Well, what an honor it is to, to, to have met them and to be there with them. And, um, and um, they're not believers, and I wish they would re- recognize Jesus as the Messiah. The next, uh, is there another picture of, um, uh, uh, that's not, I'm sorry, I also got to meet Anne Frank's best friend. So of those of you who know Anne, who Anne Frank was from the little girl who died during, during the Holocaust, uh, her best friend, I was able to meet her and take a picture. This is the empty tomb. On, on the door, on the door, there's a door inside, and it says, he's not here for he's risen. And what a wonderful thing because of this when you're here today. And I, I, I would love, love to take you to this spot. And we have communion at this spot every time we're there. And it's a fantastic thing. And typically we go to the Jordan River. And if you want to get baptized in the Jordan River, we baptize you there. And it's a wonderful experience with Jesus Christ. The last gentleman I want to show you is, is Aton. On the right, this is Aton. This, this uh, gentleman on, the, on, the, on your uh, left is a dear friend of mine from Georgia, John. But this is Aton, and Aton's become my dearest friend in, in Israel. He's not a believer. He doesn't really practice Judaism. And he, he's, uh, he, he's one of the four leaders of a communal farm. Uh, and it's called Kibbutz Malkia. It's in the north part of Israel. And he and I just become dear friends. And um, years ago, he, be, he shared a story with me that I'm going to share with you in a few minutes. But um, this guy keeps what's happening in Israel real to me. He's, he's officially a spokesman for the Israeli um, army. And uh, in Israel, you're in the reserves, mandatory military service. And when you're a man, you stay in the reserves, serve uh, two weeks every year. I believe it's a month every year until you're 
54. Okay? Girls in the army two years, the guys in the army for three years. And Pastor Shmuel has two daughters right now in, in the army, and he's, he's on pins and needles. Okay? You can imagine that. So going to all these different places is cool. It's fun. It's exciting. Yes. But if we don't start right where God has given us, then it doesn't make any difference if we go around the world and we, and we, and we have fun or we tell people about Jesus there. Um, my, my, my challenge is what Henry Blackaby said. Maybe you remember Henry Blackaby wrote the book, Experiencing God, and said this. Find where God is working and join him there. That is why God has brought me to the Journey Church International. God is doing something here. He's brought me here. So what's coming up next? I want to I challenge you this. Become part of the iServe thing. Next weekend, there's two projects. We're going to help at the cold water clothing thing. You can sign up today. I'm going to Joplin. You can still get on that trip. Just see me afterwards, okay? You can get on both those things. There's a table there you can sign up. We'll get you information or see me afterwards. That's right now. Or you can go on one of the mission trips. I'm going to tell you right now, what is our, our calendar for the next year? Palm Sunday, we're going to do a big ice serving all across this area again. So right before, the week before Easter, we'll be serving again. And then going back to school, at this school, we're going to buy backpacks full of school supplies for the needy children. So be planning on that. Now, um, w- the Joplin trip, we're going to see how it goes this time. And our hope is to do it regularly, reoccurring, about every two months, if not more frequently, as going forward. This summer, we're headed to New York City, hopefully. And um, these are tentative plans. In the fall, we hope to go to India and be part of the Invisible Girl Project that, that's there, okay? And hopefully, if the Lord willings, maybe a year, a year and a half from now, we'll go to Israel. But what can you do right now? Start with yourself. Fall more and more in love with Jesus. Do you love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul? I want to challenge you to, to, to do that. Um, so where, where do we start? We start with ourselves. What could I possibly do? Do something. Start serving here now. Sign up for an iServe project. Get your family doing something for the, pro, for the holidays. Involve them. And then, um, then let, to, to reach the world, let's do it the way that God has. Um, Edmund Burke said this, All that is necessary for evil to triumph, all that is necessary for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Our inactivity can do so much damage to the world. My friend, Aton, he's a few years older than I am. And when the, the Lebanese war in the mid-80s, when Israel had, they went in and they invaded Lebanon because the terrorists were constantly sending rockets like crazy. So they went in and take out the rockets. And Aton was a tank commander. He said, I was in charge of three tanks. And we came through this small town, and the, everybody was fled. There's no army guys there. We're kind of in the middle of the pack. We're not in the leading. We're not getting shot at a lot. Some small arms fire from different people. So we came upon and we saw there's a, a plant over here, a factory that made Pepsi-Cola. He said, can you imagine that? We're invading and there's a Pepsi-Cola plant. My guys asked me, can we go get a drink? Said, so I let them all go. All, all three tanks emptied. He said, I'm standing in my tank and I'm at the top and I'm kind of machine gun and kind of watching out for them. He said, all of a sudden, I said, you guys got three minutes. They went in, they're coming out. He said, they all got two, two bottles each. He said, we're not, we, went, we weren't there to loot. We were just thirsty. He only took two each, okay? He said, and all of a sudden I realized the guy's coming out and, and, and the terror's in their face and they're looking in the sky. He said, I see one guy, the first guy is looking at the sky, and he drops two bottles, and they explode. He said, look, and all of a sudden I realized there are two Syrian jets coming down on a bombing run to shoot my tank. He said, I had an instant. He said, the, the, I, I needed to do one or two things instantly, or I had no chance. First thing, I should have fired. He said, but I hesitated. Second, I should have gotten out and ran for my life, because these tanks are getting ready to explode. He said, and I'm sitting there looking like, what we would say, a, the, the, a deer in the headlights of the car, just paralyzed the fear. He said, all of a sudden, the, fir- the first plane just exploded, just, just gigantic fireball. He realized two Israeli jets were coming in from the side, shot the first one. The second jet bugged out and flew back to Syria, and the jets were chasing him. He said, he said I will never forget how God spared my life that day. But friends, if, if we 
become paralyzed with inactivity, nothing's going to happen for, for the cause of Christ. We need to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and we need to um, let ourselves live a life, let him transform our life, and use us to transform the world. We need to do something about it. We use the Acts 1-8 strategy. I want to challenge, if you would, really seek the Lord on what we should do. Would you pray with me? Little Lord, this morning as we come to you, we're grateful that you have chosen us and given us a holy calling. We're grateful, Lord, that you have given to us the opportunity of heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the incredible opportunity to serve you right here in this region, Lord, and to see Cass County and Lee Summit be reached with the church for Jesus Christ. And for that to spread around this, this region, this country, and around the world. Lord, we pray that the name of Christ will be high and lifted up and you will draw them into yourself. We're so excited and so honored to be part of this. And Lord, we pray that you'll guide and lead this church as we continue to go on for the kingdom's sake. Lord, let us live out so successfully, personally, the great command to love you with everything we have and then to see the great commission to go around the world. We love you. Do something great, Lord, at the Journey Church International. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor Ryan.